he was able to convert deserted land into grassland just by focusing on the soil, right? And using his horses, donkeys, and goats to do that. It's crazy. Now, he has 30,000 acres. It does take massive land to change the microclimate. Millions of acres around his ranch that when you see him teach, you can see rainfall coming on his land alone. It's because he is able to change and affect the micro. Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigalov, where he can share ideas and thoughts with you. He gets to the heart of the issue so that you can find the truth. The views and opinions expressed are his and do not represent the U.S. Army, DOD, nor the U.S. government. Dr. Sigalov was either off duty or on approved leave, and Dr. Sigalov was not in uniform at the time of recording. Now, to Dr. Sigalov. Thank you for joining us again. First, I want to thank all my Patreon supporters. I want to thank Shell Pace at the $50 level, Sam and Angela Shelke at the 2020 level. We have the Plandemic Reprimando at $17.76. We have Ty, Charles, Tinfoil, Stanley, Dr. Anna, who was a guest on this show, Frank, Brian. We have Kevin Alanos, who made his own level at $10. We have the Refined Not Burn level at $5 with Linda, Emmy, Joe, Pat and Bev, PJ, Rebecca, Marcus, Elizabeth, Dawn, Jennifer, and then our our lowest tier at $1 a month, Courage is Contagious. We have Amanda, Jay, Spetsnasty, Durrell, Susan, B.B. Keene, also a previous guest, and Rick. Today I have a very special guest for you, two special guests for you. So one is military. He's still active duty right now. He's about to get out. He's transitioning over, and then his his battle buddy, if you will. I'm not currently in the military. I don't know if he was, but he is an entrepreneur, and he has experience in this field, and the reason we're talking about this is, as you know, I think carnivore is the best way for humans to eat or carnivore adjacent where you're eating some fruit, but we're getting vegetables out of the, out of the mix. Now, Gil De Leon and Jason Martin, they are doing this project called Project Regen, where it's regenerative farming. They're teaching people how to become regenerative farmers so that we can use the land. We can become less dependent on others and more self-sufficient. And, and we'll have Gil on later because he's done some other amazing things in the military help protecting a similar fight to what I'm going through. But Gil, Jason, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. And thank you for having us, Sam. Absolutely. So tell us a bit about your project. Tell us what this involves and what you're absolutely. doing. No, absolutely. And first, I like to talk about, since we're talking about regenerative agriculture, what is regenerative agriculture? If you don't mind, I talked about that, about that first before we talk about Operation Region or Project Region or Mission Region. So regenerative agriculture is an approach to farming that aims to enhance soil health and biodiversity, right? While improving the ecosystem services and reducing negative env environmental impacts. You know, and this is achieved through practices such as crop rotation, cover cropping, reduced tillage, the integration of several protein species. Right, and regenerative agriculture seeks to create resilient farmer systems that can adapt to changing environment conditions and provide sustainable food for the future generations. So that's what regenerative agriculture is. And now going to operation region, and if you look at our current crisis, right, there's a lot of strategic crisis where old ranchers, 67 year olds, can't retire because there's no replacement, right? And we don't have enough people in Manning to man these ranches and farms to restore or move the line of certification. In order to do that, we have to equip 
and man and provide the resources for these ranches. But how do you do that if people are not experienced? And I think the best way to do that is to attract talented, seasoned veterans that have the management experience, the leadership experience, and all we gotta do is teach them how to spell cow and how to regenerate soil through regenerative practices, right? And I think veterans are the are the best fit. Anything you want to add, Jason, to that? No, I think that that really captures what we're focusing on very specifically. I think there's a a lot of whys behind all of those things. And I think there's a a larger context in which we're engaging in that way. And and, and it's a lot to unpack at the end of the day. I think probably even the the concept of it would, 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 would propose the question of how is it that we're somehow separated from all of our food system? I think probably in the history of humanity, it would have been a peculiar thing that we're trying to do because it would have assumed that we are very disconnected from all of our food system. So yes, we are, but there are certainly many, many implications and underpinnings of why we're even in such a state as this. And it's going to point well beyond any particular activity to a change in the way that humans engage their own ecology and understand their place in a natural world and the exchange and interdependence of the same. I agree. And Jason is right, right? And he said ecology, and I think at least to a point of theology, right, that plays a huge role in regenerative agriculture in several ways by promoting soil health, biodiversity, ecosystems, and be responsible through stewardship of the earth, right? It's humans and humans cannot be excluded. There's an interconnectedness that we cannot ignore. And Jason hit it on the head, you know, theology, ecology, and it's it's all one thing. And I think that's what drives us to move forward. Yeah, I think that's this is probably the best way to be a good steward of the of the earth, you know, so that we're not leaving a mess behind for our great grandkids, but we're leaving a sustainable future. And I agree. And if you look at the, you know, USDA, they're dumping millions of dollars, right? However, they're dumping millions of dollars, but who's going to who's going to obtain and secure it and move the line at the up tempo and speed that the government wants us to do? And I think the best people who can do that are veterans because we can op- operate with stress, right? veterans fit they possess unique skill sets and experience that can be valuable to the field of regenerative agriculture these skills include you know strong work ethic adaptability leadership problem solving resilience i mean veterans can apply the skills to help regenerative agriculture promote sustainability and contribute to food security now let's talk about food security for a second as a, as a 17 year old combat veteran security is a big thing for me now, if we don't have enough food to grow and produce, what's that say about our agricultural system? It's weak, it's vulnerable, and it can cause you know you know our outside influences to exploit that. So we got to find ways to grow our food systems. So how do we grow our food systems if our land is not collaborating easy through regenerative practices? But how do we do that? We attract the youth that want to do this, and we attract veterans that already have the skill sets. We just got to teach them how to. Spell soil, spell cow. We give them the skill sets. And our ranch, the growers, the founders of Life Under the Sun, Operation Region, can achieve that. Now, here's a disclaimer. We are new at this. We are amateurs. But we have a lot of experiences in other industries, right? You know, Jason and Josh got 
experience, extensive experiences in building teams and businesses, right? I got experience in management and leadership and how to bring teams together, just, just as Jason. Combine those skill sets, and it's easy to teach solar health, right? We can teach as we train. Like, I'm learning myself. Jason's learning myself. What, what, it, it makes no sense for us to become experts then teach. We can teach as we grow because the only way we're going to move the line of desertification at the speed that the government wants us to do it. And I think that's how we can achieve this, the strategic goals of the current crisis of agriculture. And I think it's an exciting time in some in some respects. You know, anytime, ironically enough, we find that these practices are in a emerging market. If we think about markets, and so you're in something new. And currently, I can tell you, all the markets that deal in regenerative meats uh, don't have enough supply for the demand. They are sold out regularly. The demand is way higher than the current supply. So I think just from a a standpoint of opportunities and a time when people don't understand these practices very well. So it's a time that you can go and learn very quickly and compete in a very meaningful way whilst doing good and creating food security. These things are becoming more and more increasingly important to people, particularly with the propagation of annuals and their lack of nutrition that they're able to provide, particularly on a global scale. All the things that were promised that would happen from these forms of agriculture have not happened and quite the opposite has. And so it's kind of brought us to this crisis. But I think there are many of opportunities there and and ones that, that offer a better qualitative life. And so really seeking that opportunity for anybody and everybody, because the need is great enough that there is a place for them. Well, what's interesting is you have this perfect market of workforce because there's approximately 8,000, maybe 9,000, somewhere in that range of service members. And, you know, to maybe take 10% of them or 1% of them that would want to do this, that were kicked out of the military because they wouldn't get the shot. Right. And so that seems like that is a perfect opportunity for those uh, those individuals. If they want to look into this, this is a great way to to learn about it, because this isn't let's say you've never had any farming before ranching. That's fine. You don't need to. You use problem solving ability to figure out what's best for your land, not for all lands everywhere, but for your land. Mm -hmm. That's that's a good point, Sam. That's a really good point about that because you, you're right. Really what you're doing is evaluating an a ecosystem and the ways that you're going to engage to promote its good, but it's really vital that you're able to observe all of those things. So people who are able to and trained to make lots of observations and then strategic moves in light of it to, to, to cause a desired effect and not undesired effects to mitigate those as much as possible, which we're talking about military training very specifically to be applied outdoors they're actually way ahead to be honest because those are skills that take much longer to hone in you're just applying them to a new context that's right and he said context right which is the first principle of soil health is context and once you have a rich diverse context you can literally catapult the journey of regeneration and to jason's point he's Detracting seasoned veterans that has a skill set already. Now we when we change or or change your mindset to holistic management, man, they are all already can operate in any agriculture position on the first day. You know. Now um, I reached out to you. 
before this whole thing and I asked for some homework and one book that I read was called Holistic Management a Common Sense Revolution to Restore Our Environment by Alan Savory and this is the third edition so he's revamped it a few times and what's incredible about this is what he's figured out he's gone down to the molecular level and to the the space you know view as high as you can and that's the kind of problem solving that's needed for this so anybody who loves complex problems this is the field for you you know like okay he's got this this idea that if i have a sheep and i allow it to to graze on this land for one day that's one one day of sheep grazing if i have two sheep on there for one day that's two days okay well how do i get that right mix of rest and grazing so i don't get overgrazed but then i i don't overrest either and i move to the different paddocks so that i can Moving to the next one, and then the the ground actually produces more for you next year. That's right, and uh, which is great because now you're talking about observation, right? So now you're not prescriptive, you're not operating in typical silos. Now you you can foster human intelligence, natural intelligence, and lead your management through observation, right? And that's what Alan Saber keeps talking about. Like we can't be prescriptive on a land that is not prescriptive, right? That's how humans destroyed nature and that's why we have huge ecological disasters right so we got to collaborate with our land we got to respect our land like alan savory talks about and just listen to what they're trying to tell us and just enhance it and that's what jason and martin is all about and that's why it ties really well to theology right just well it does it's it's talking about humans and a what we think about ourselves and our place in this world. Now that would be where we start with the eye, right? But the reality is, is we share this world with many creatures and a great and abundant diversity, a diversity that we have killed and, ex and, and we're going through a current sixth grade extinction at a rate that's alarming. I mean, just to be frank, Sam, I, I've come to a point where I have become awakened to these things in such a way that I can't believe it's not the central thing everyone is talking and acting towards right now, which does make it a time of great urgency in, in many respects. I think there's enough of what is agreed on by scientists and by the evaluation of where we are that we can surely start a very, very serious agrarian conversation about what it means for us as humans and what it means to come back to a place of interdependence on the natural world and to understand our place, which will oftentimes be a place of limit, a place not of unlimited realization of everything I ever wanted on terms that are given to me in marketing, but a different evaluation of the value of our lives and our place in this world and what seeking good actually looks like where the agrarian conversation centrally comes because righteousness will very much be defined by, you know, terms such as who has the land is the land providing for everybody who's working that land and is it providing life and abundance for those who are all a part of this cycle? That's what the agrarian conversation goes to. And those aren't much topics that a normative human, four out of five, which in the United States lives in a city, has much of a context about, just to be frank. And so there is a need to reinforce these hinterlands who have always provided for the city and the people. 
And so we're really focusing in on this and taking back that engagement between the land of a region and the people of the region and the exchange that can be had there. So and that's what I mean by there are many more underpinnings and it's expansive. When that is your vision, who is interested in what and how does it move forward and how can we facilitate, support and uphold it to the good of everyone is the only question any of us should be asking right now. Right. And, you know, I, I have a Christian background and and I have some Jewish heritage. And, you know, often Jews are thought of as great businessmen. They, they're very good at business. And, and the reason they're so good at business is because they learn in their religion, same with the Christian religion, is that when you make another of God's children's lives better, so whatever skill or service or whatever it is or whatever product you have that makes someone else's life better, you get rewarded with money. And it's it, money is a spiritual gift, not a physical gift. And what's really interesting is in Hebrew, the word for blood is the same as the word for money. And, and that's probably why the love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of all evil, because you'll squeeze people to get their blood out of them, to get their money out of them. But what you're doing is if you become, let's say, a regenerative agriculturist in your neighborhood or in your, your area, you are now an upstanding citizen who is providing for the basic necessities of people in your area. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, go ahead, Jason. Yeah, and you're right. And it takes, and if you, if you, the regenerative agriculture movement has been going on for four years. However, it's been going on for generations, but now with this new, you know, marketing and social media, it's, it's now it reaches more people. We're, we're now we're doing things that we've been doing, but now it's, we can reach people farther and faster now than we could do 20 years ago, right? And you can see all this agency, Soil of the Catamonising Ad, Alan Savory, Soil Region, Soil for Climate. There's a lot of agencies and entities promoting this because it's going to take that much people to restore a land. I mean, it took billions of people to destroy a land over generations. It's going to take a lot more people. And we're just a small piece. We're just trying to contribute to their, our land, and we're just a small team. We need more, right? And that's part of our vision as well, to unite independent ranchers and farmers under this umbrella called Life Under the Sun, because we're going to include everybody, right? There's no elitist here. As we get funds, we're going to help. And, and Jesse can talk about that on Life Under the Sun, but it's powerful. Because the reality is, is that our food costs are going to go up extremely. Be aware of that. That's a fact. Matter of fact, we currently pay less for our food than probably any human in the history of the world. And that has come at a great cost. And that's a fact. Go look them up. <laughs> we, we pay and work less for our food than any human that's ever existed. It's easy. And the quality of that food has been diminished. But I'm, I'm going to say this. In order to do that, you have to go to a particular scale that now takes food production out of the hands of the people and in the hands of few because they are at a scale that can't be competed with. And that scale is failing. We've, we've realized that there are limits to that scale and the limits are the natural resources of this earth. <laughs> There are limits and it's failed. And so it has to go the other way. Food production has to come back into the hands of the regions 
that are consuming those foods. And we have to close loops, waste loops that come back and work into building soil and compost unto greater fertility, under greater abundance, under, to, under greater sustainability of the amount of life that can be provided for off of those lands. Closing these loops become vital to us. You know, currently we throw away half the food produced for us, half. And it's so cheap that it's not even valuable to us. We will just throw it away with a world that's dying of starvation. It, it's the whole concept. We have to change those categories. So I want to do yeah, like devil's to, advocate go real Go ahead, Gil. Sorry, I'll, I'll come back to No, you go ahead. I love playing devil's advocate. Let's do it. Okay, so I'm going to do devil's it? advocate here. I know the answer, and this is not how I think. A disclaimer. This is not how I think. But but I've heard that cow farts are destroying the environment. What about carbon production? And you're laughing. And, yeah. and I want to preface this with back when I was, was it 12 to 15, I was stationed in Georgia, and I went to White Oaks Farms. Oh, man, that grass-fed yeah, beef. Yeah. If you have an opportunity, taste grass-fed, grass-finished beef, because it is... Oh, it's so much better. It's it's what beef should taste like. But their their fields were significantly like visually more green than when the fence end and just on the other side. They they were the yeah. you know the proverbial greener on the other side. It, it was significantly greener. And so I say yeah. that to kind of preface that question. Yeah, so fun note I've been to Will Harris, and he is the real deal. I was there for a week as part of my, you know, my tour visiting nationally recognized ranches. And there's a lot of there's a lot of known region leaders, right? I mean, we can name them all, right? You know, Ray Chaleta, Alejandro, Gabe Brown, Dr. Alan Williams, you know, Alan Savory. But that man, Will Harris, is the real deal. Now he loves when he pulled me to the side and grabbed me. He was like, "Gil, teaming of life is key." Now, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I can't explain the data of cow farts, to your point. However, I can say with conviction, regards, I don't know all the data, that cow farts in manure is not destroying the world. Now, if you look at the data of manure, it's all digestible grass already. And then when dumb, when dumb beetles come, because now you've fostered an environment of life underneath our feet, you're going to introduce more insects, more, more beetles going to come, more dumb beetles going to grab that patty, roll it up, bring it to the ground, create more life, bring more worms, bring everything. It's just dumb beetles create a habitat for souls, for worms, for cattle. It's, 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 it's all includes a full, full closed loop system. And all that, because they have more forage, to your point, Will Harris has a lot of green grass, right? Now think about how much each grass of blade is capturing solar. We, and attracting carbon, right? And those roots are bringing, are converting those photosynthesis, those, those solar energy into liquid carbon that feeds that life on the soil. That life on the soil go ahead and returns and feeds the cattle. So I think, to your point, I know this is, this is not what you believe in, but there's more, there's way more positives of cow farts and whatever on the ground versus what most animal activists say, right? And, and, and all, all it comes to is education. Education, education. But I'm here to stay and stand the people that realize that livestock is a solution to climate change. And if anybody has any question about this, I encourage the listener, the viewer to go check out the book, Sacred Cow. I know Rob Wolf is one of the authors on it. I can't remember the main author. But in there, he does this thought experiment to where 
you can clearly see how humans would not be alive on this planet, and most plants would not be alive on this planet if there were not ruminant animals, of which cows are one of the main source of food for Americans. I agree. I mean, if you go back in biblical times, right, you know, Jesus told us that we had to be, we had to have authority over our animals and be stewards of our land. Now, what does authority over our animals mean? It's protect, make them live, but it's for us to, in spiritual context, to feed, to make a living off the animals we have authority over, right? We use them as a tool, as a resource to restore our land, but they also provide nutrition for our humans, right? It's, 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 it's a, it's a closed loop system where we're meant and designed to eat beef, to eat meat, if that makes sense. Well, I'd, I'd say from a theological standpoint, that certainly wasn't the original. We were definitely vegetarians throughout Genesis. It was actually with the Noahic covenant that, by the way, a covenant not just made with Noah, but made with all the creatures of the world, showing that there are also shares of that covenant. But that's when the eating of meat came in, presumably in a much more cursed state. So, you know, even understanding the, the eating of meat, those animals exist to themselves and are good and valuable in and of themselves. And that's why we want the highest possible care for them. And there's for those of us who love them dearly, and I can tell you that we all do, and enjoy communion with them regularly, not when we're eating them, when we're feeding them and caring for them and trying to create good environments for them to exist in, the most natural environments for them to exist in. And then we also eat them and 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 celebrate that and want to make best use of that and to treat that sacred, not common, not something we would throw away but something that is special. Yeah, and Sam, to your point, like, so we have about a little over 100 sheep, you know, Dorpers, Cantanas, you know, St. Core mixed, and they're thriving in our environment. And at the end of the day, Jason and I and Josh, we love spending time with our animals, making that connection, even though we're using these animals to steward our land, right, to create a habitat, restore our land, but also to eat them. But during that time from, you know, from lambing from birth till, the day we eat them, we're spending time with them. We, we're building con- and make connection with them. It's this whole like interconnectedness, and it's it's therapeutic. And which I argue that the hardest surface to regenerate is our minds, not our souls. Now, when we interact with our animals, it starts regenerating our minds. It's therapeutic. It's it's a huge deal. That's why we need to bring veterans into agriculture. It's yes, it's about the soils. But it's also about the life under the sun, the humans, the, our minds, and which is the hardest service to regenerate. But once we collaborate, man, stress goes away. It's therapeutic. It's just spiritual. And, and you build up, you bring up a great point, Gil, too. Sam, I'm sorry. Did I cut you off there? Well, I just want to try and get this in before we get to, because there's so many great paths that we can go from here. Right. What I wanted to say is also a biblical point is, because I think the Bible points towards either keto or carnivore. And if you look at Cain and Abel, so if you're, let's say 10,000 or however many years ago, and God asked you to sacrifice and you burn fat, and let's say you're eating carnivore, and 70, 70, 75% of your intake is saturated fat, animal fat, and you're burning the fat, well, that's a true sacrifice. You're giving up tomorrow's food saying, I trust you, God, to provide. And then you've got Cain over here who 
is raising wheat and vegetables, which he shouldn't be doing because it's not a food source, and he burns it, and it's unacceptable in God's sight. And then you, you compare and contrast that next to the study that came out in April of 2020, and it said that those that eat no meat have more behavioral health issues than those that eat meat. And then we look at Cain's next behavior. What does he do? He gets into a murderous rage and kills his brother. That seems like it's a pretty significant behavioral health issue. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. I'm not sure if I draw necessarily draw that theology off of there to that degree, but uh, but there's certainly anybody else to, does. This, you know, there, this is my thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> there is. No, I, I totally get it. And, you know, I think there is actually a lot for us there in, in Genesis for us to understand what is ours and what our place actually is and, and what that looks like. And, you know, Gil was bringing up a point I just wanted to go off of. Our entire wisdom tradition, and I'm referring to anybody who shares some or part of the books of the Pentateuch as a basis for their sacred documents. So that's a very large part of the entire population of the world, by the way. So it definitely should be very much ingrained into our theology. But our wisdom traditions were very much rooted in creation and the order of creation. And actually, Gil talked about being with animals. You know, there's one group referred to in the scripture, and that is the land animals, the humans and their domesticated animals are always considered one group. The humans are not their separate group. It's the humans and their animals. And then it's the wild animals, which are the, all the animals outside of the domesticated animals and the humans. And these are references that were common in those times that you'll be see referenced throughout. But much of our wisdom, as Solomon would say, that screams from the streets are the observance of the order of the natural world in which we exist and the aligning of ourselves to that, the promoting of that and the utilization of that unto greater productivity for us. But at the end of the day, the work that we've been given as humans in the declarations of the design of this current cosmos and everything in it is that we work the soil and care for the animals, which, by the way, are the base principles of regenerative ranching and agriculture. We focus on the soil and working it by caring for animals and utilizing them in the working of it and by our technologies in agriculture, which have to do with irrigation primarily. So, you know, these are the things that as an animal in the natural world that is a human, these are the things that are for us. And so the agrarian conversation is always relevant. And when you have isolationism from cities in a modern world, it's all the more relevant because it's not a conversation we have as much anymore or even have much context for. It just hit me that what you're saying is actually taking us back to Adam's original charge, care for the land. Yes. Yes. This was the vision of a human in the created world and the thing that they concerned themselves and the way. And to us, we look at it and go, well, that's a mighty, humble existence. Well, we have tread a very hubris, a high hubris path for ourselves unto the destruction of the earth. So I think it's the, our only path is one through a more humble existence, whereas, and the irony of it quite might frankly be that in losing the life we think gives us 
is something. Trust me, I've attained it on several levels and it doesn't. Thing that we think gives us life necessarily doesn't. And in fact, losing it unto the care for all of creation, the world and one another. So we find it. It's, it's powerful. Like the, the, the movement of regenerate ag culture is actually going back towards the Garden of Eden. You know, it's just it's just it's just powerful. Hey, Gil, you mentioned like a few things about... that I want to make sure I that I understand. Oh, yeah, you had mentioned people need to be able to spell soil and pal. Mm-hmm. All right. So take me, for example, right? A guy with a little over 17 years of experience, right? And in the day, I don't know what I don't know. I can talk military combat operations all day on a map and maneuver troops. But if I'm going to enter a new profession, and which is regenerative agriculture, I got to learn that culture, that industry. And that industry is how to spell cow and how to move and how to spell soil. And I think it's great because it's, that's where veterans fit. If I can maneuver livestock, I can maneuver cattle. And it's powerful, right? But you, we have to, it's a culture shift. We have to like break down the blueprint of our mind and, and relearn everything and to include the the conventional farmers, right? I mean, they have a lot of value to this world, man. Without them, we wouldn't be here. They have a lot of skills they can transfer. But even guys, fifth, sixth generation farmers and ranchers got to re, got to relearn because they're in the business of growing meat, not in the business of growing grass. They were not in the business of growing land. Now they got to change the vernacular, the mindset, and how to see things, right? Even fifth, sixth generation farmers has to change and know how to spell the word soil. And that's what I mean by that. And guys like me who got who got limited experience in agriculture, I have to start with what's common, which is the ground, right? Because if you can make the ground collaborate and increase production, it will benefit everything above the ground, right? It starts with the soil. So what I mean by what I mean by spelling soil is everything about soil, everything, the science, the data, the what it takes to restore it, everything. And I think our veterans needs to start off with that first before they even touch animals, before they even start building fences, before they even learn how to drive a tractor. It's soil. Without soil, you can't do anything else. But once they get the concept of the, you know, the six principles of soil health, the three adaptive stewardship rules, and understand the four ecosystem processes, once they understand that and what it takes, then we move. Hey, now we're going to teach you how these animals can restore a land at a rate that, no one, or at a speed that we want speed, right? That's what I mean by that. Did I answer your question, Sam? Oh, yeah, that's great. I love it. This is good stuff. When we have a time where we have some of the best and brightest and the demand has not yet overcome them completely. So really, it's a time when people getting in right now can be taught by some of the best in the world because they're making themselves available right now. So, I mean, I've had to get educations for all kinds of things, and they're very expensive. I can tell you the education you can get in this industry is far more valuable and comes at far less a cost. So I can't imagine something more relevant for our time to want to go, go towards and to master because they would be among the few that that have and are mastering it and it will become all the more and more vital to our lives and our community so it, it's a very good direction to go to it anyway and it is therapeutic it is it does help us 
come to terms, you know, and even dealing with an other, when we're out there with the sheep, I'll just give you an example, very practical. We watch the sheep and it takes them a long time to become comfortable with us. And we don't make harsh moves around them and we don't press ourselves upon them because our coming to interact with them is as much dependent on them, their willingness and their desire to, as it is on us, if we're going to connect in that way. Now, once you do, trust starts to be gained and we start to understand each other, even though we're very different species. And we start to understand what the other requires and how best to go along with the other, that mutual benefits being derived from. We might eat them, but I'm just going to tell you this. A lamb would not be long for the world outside the protection of humans, just so you're aware. In the world of ecology, it is a mutual relationship. It is not one way. The lamb would not exist at all without the humans that protected it. Just so you know, they would not. <laughs> none, most none of those domesticated animals would exist much without the care of humans. They're not suited to it. So there is an exchange there, and it's a meaningful exchange. But therein, you know what we learn? We learn how better we can engage with humans, with any species, being more patient to understand and to see and to hear and to know that it might be way more complex than we think and maybe in terms that we each don't see. And maybe we would bear along much more. Maybe we would ask more questions. Maybe we wouldn't press ourselves in such a way as to offend and push away. But instead, we'd open a conversation that drew people in. To me, those are the places that the things that have to happen on the level that it has to happen within our communities and in our world, those are the terms we can learn by right now from our engagement of other animals. They're part of the wisdom tradition that gives back to us. And it's in the experience of these things. So we think this is very vital. I think it's going to be, it'll be huge as we've already seen. It's huge for returning veterans and for all kinds of help, because I'm going to say this, I have deep compassion for veterans and what they've been through. I've been, I was a pastor for 10 years. I know what trauma on, on various levels actually do to people. And I've had to, I've been a, a student of it more than someone who's experienced personally by listening a lot and trying to understand. And I'm going to tell you this, we live in a world traumatized and filled with PTSD from every level that you can even imagine. It is rampant. It's a pandemic. And we have the need to reconnect with our natural world, whereby we can find some kind of reconciliation to be able to move forward on terms that are a little different mm -hmm. and probably a lot more helpful. I agree. Like, not only that we're restoring our souls, but we, we, we are regenerating the minds of our youth and veterans to include seasoned agricultural ranchers and farmers because the agriculture also has one of the highest suicide rates. In fact, probably above military, right? Because they operate in our stable environments, financial stress, and they depend on weather. The, the circumstances and the stress are different, but the, the, but the outcome is the same. Seasoned ranchers and farmers have high suicide rate like the military. And I think that can be solved through regenerating agriculture, right? So through regenerating our soils. And, and, you know, Jason talked about a couple of things, right? We kind of bounced around the top ag issues, right? And I'll just name a couple, but I think there's a couple of top, top ag issues that we can solve. And to be clear, Sam, we can't solve all this. We can only contribute and make an impact 
slowly, right? It's a marathon, right? I just want to be clear on that. We don't got the answers to everything. However, here are the top ag issues I think we have. One, climate change. Two, food security. Three, technology and innovation. Four, the aging farmer crisis. And five, placement. So I'm going to focus on aging farmer crisis. And aging farmer crisis, you know, a significant challenge for agriculture sector because, you know, back in the day or still now, there's a stigma where people don't should not enter agriculture because they're for idiots. People should join the military because they're idiots. It's, it's it, hey, no, go to college. But now there's a shift, right? People are starting to find ways that the, 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 the path to success is not college anymore, right? There's other ways to success. And I think our culture is the number one way to serve our country and it's noble, right? And the way we can fix the aging farmer crisis, I think we got a solution for that. Because as we train veterans, we can place them in this ranches and farms that already have already created a demand signal of, hey, I need help here. I'm 70 years old. I need somebody to run my ranch. Great. Let us train this veteran. They got management experience already. We'll teach them, us, we'll teach them the regenerative practices and then we'll send them to you. And they come with a full comprehensive package from our ranch, our, our vision, right? And another crisis is, you know, sustainable agriculture, right? You know, the agriculture sector is pressured to adopt more sustainable practices that reduce environmental impacts, preserve natural resources, and ensure long-term viability. This includes promoting soil health and reducing chemical inputs. We can be a part of the solution. We can't solve it completely, but our role, our vision is as we expand, as we become established, as we become profitable, we buy other ranches and expand that way as well. And we'll buy ranches tied to municipalities and obviously it's, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint, but our goal is to expand slowly and, and just place youth and veterans into these roles to help move the line to certification. I think what's amazing is we're on this precipice of, you know, and don't take my word for it. Do your own research. I'm not a financial investor, advisor, blah, blah, blah. We're, it seems like we're on the precipice of a significant market reset. I'm saying it that way. Most people who knows what that means, it's it's going to get ugly and it's going to get ugly fast. And if you have some resources available, maybe not in cash, maybe in some other type of, of way to preserve it through that significant reset, think 1929, there may be a lot of farms available for purchase. And and for the, the prior warriors out there, like there's probably a reason why Sun Tzu said it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a warrior. Probably because once you've seen things and you've done things, you, you begin to gravitate back to nature, back to the garden to help the mind. And, and this is a good way to do that. But you're also continuing that fight because who wins the war? The guy who has the most calories or who's in charge of the calories, because that's what war is. It's a war of calories. When you control all the calories, the other side is going to lose no matter what. The long game, the other side loses. And this is a perfect way for those warriors to continue that fight and and teach their children how to be warriors, but in a maybe slightly different way. Battling the elements and fighting with the sheep, but but being that, that upstanding citizen in the, in the neighborhood that is able to help people. No, I agree. I agree, man. I love your perspective. 
I think there are significant real estate opportunities that are coming up, you know, particularly with the instability of of markets and outlooks. Just being honest, not only are they going to increase greatly in value, particularly as our natural resources can continue to diminish, and they will. There, there is a higher demand now for re- regenerated things, and and the lands have soil, so it's of a much greater value. So it's not just to buy the land, but it's to buy the land and convert it where it has cascading and compounding results unto increasing fruitfulness and sustainability. So I think that also just as a personal and communal food security, it makes a lot of sense. So, you know, from a long-term investment standpoint, I think it's probably the safest and also probably also the most profitable long-term investment that makes a lot of sense right now, at least as a great hedge. So, you know, for us, we're looking to bring people into this industry. We're looking to help people who own lots of land to regenerate that land, to, to render those services, by the way, which is utilizing animals to regenerate soil whereby simultaneously creating enough supply to be able to actually supply a meaningful, consistent market. So I think there are lots of opportunities on the way we think about our lands and with those few, unfortunately few, landholders that there are relational to our population. That's a very small constituency, and we will see if their intentions are good for the people of the lands, of which they, and myself included, owns large amounts of relative to the rest of population. This is where, in scriptural terms, righteousness has very much been defined. It's been defined by those who have choices, and the choices that made for those who do not have choices. And the choice to regenerate land and to provide food and also even places. We have eco-retreats in our cards for some of the things that we're doing because we believe that the reconnection with the natural world and farms that are abundantly diverse is very vital for humanity. And at the end of the day, the ecology of humans is, is very much responsible for the mass destruction that is in and because we've almost made ourselves one of the few remaining species and certainly the most plentiful on the entire earth, I think it falls to us if we've had the authority to exercise such things. I think also the responsibility to restore the same falls to us also. So, Sam, are you overwhelmed by listening to us already? No, I'm I'm charged. I'm I'm stoked. I'm excited. I hope other people see the opportunity that we're on the precipice of. Go think about it. Talk about it with your spouse. Pray about it. See if buying land and being that that citizen in your neighborhood in your community that is able to provide caloric density and and nutritious food, remember because with with the carnivore model, the only food that is the most nutritious food, the only food that that has everything that a human needs is a ruminant animal, which is just mind-blowing that that's, if I had to eat only one thing for the rest of my life, I if I ate a ruminant animal from nose to, to tail, 
I would never have to take a supplement for the rest of my life. I have everything in there that I would never have to eat a plant. There's nothing in a plant that a human needs. There's actually anti-nutrients, poisons and toxins and all sorts of bad things in plants. That's why God gave us these, these walking little factories that make edible food for us that can digest that because their digestive tract is so different than ours. And I would say an animal that had had fed on the great diversity of forage it was intended to and of perennials, not on a monocrop and definitely not living out the end of its days in a lot in its own feces being kept alive by antibiotics. Otherwise, for all intensive cases, it would be dead because of mass malnutrition. That kind of meat actually could not do that for you, Sam. It would have to be the kind of meat of that animal in its natural environment, whereby, I don't know if you're aware, beef that's done regeneratively well has more omega-3s than wild-caught salmon, just for example. We didn't even know beef had omega-3s. <laughs> or if they were, it was because they've been fed on corn and because of the way they're handled in unnatural ways that's both cruel to the animal and it robs the end user too of the great nutrients that it could be. So, you know, and, and why? So that we can produce it on scale at such a cheap level that no one else could commute, could, could possibly compete outside of our ultimate control, which is what situation it creates. And once again, that's where we as a people to be able to be ready for that need to be prepared to allot much more of our budget towards our food, which we have, we have the space in our budgets generally, and some don't. And, you know, there needs to be programs and opportunities for those also to gain access to nutrient-rich food. It's not something that should only be for the elite, but I can tell you this. In our enterprises, we are focusing on the elite who can pay for it right now and fund those things. But our intentions and our actions are always to make the farmer and the rest rancher a proper beneficiary of the and to cut middlemen out and to cut mass profiters at the top out because we believe food is such a thing that mass that doesn't really allow for mass profiter profiters at the top of it there's too much of our life right wrapped up into it and there's way too much right taken as to what we feel like we can do to turn a profit for food under the guise of to save the world those have not worked out so well, and I would question on the level of money that was spent and what it was to, the intent of it in the first place, at least on some level. So, you know, I think for us as people, this is a great revolution that does, at the very beginning, start to deal with our choices and understanding the weight of those choices and the weight they are for the world that our children and our grandchildren are going to grow up in. I think when we consider them on those terms, it's a small price to pay. When we know that the increase in that budget is going to the good of the farmers and ranchers producing this and not in an exorbitant way, and that it's also not going in an exorbitant way to someone else who financed the whole thing with mass equipment and destructive processes to do it in one place 
place in the world and supply the entire world at great cost and peril. That's a crazy model, by the way. But from people in your region that are deeply committed to you and that you go and visit and might know personally and are very connected to. I think if that's what we know our money is going to and it's enriching our lives, we start thinking differently about the value of our food. Add to it 70% more nutrient density, which you have to start thinking of your food in much smaller portions at that time, and to understand the value you're actually getting there. You know, food is done by weight and all genetics by making it as big as we can so we can show a prosper gram or a prosper ounce or a prosper pound. We need a prosper her nutrient particulate probably <laughs> because at the end of the day that is the that is measuring the true value the diversity of that and the density of those nutrients is the true value there the the over and abundant the cascading compounding value attaches to the community when we reconnect that loop it's that's powerful, Sam. And I can tell you, light bulb went on when Jason said that grass-fed, grass-finished beef has more omega threes than conventional beef. It's it's powerful, and it has more ALA, which is a type of omega, than salmon and fatty fish, which helps with you know heart disease and prevention. And when he said that, I can tell you, light went off. It's like because it's that powerful. If it's truly grass-fed and, and grass-finished, but the, you're right, it starts. It's 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 healing. In all, in, all, in, all, in all forms. I do want to throw a little caveat in there, and I encourage the listener, go listen to or read Sacred Cow. Rob Wolf is one of the authors in there. And and he started the, the book with the preface that grass-fed, grass-finished grass is the best. And it is better than grain-finished or grain-fed, grain-finished. But that difference is so minimal that he says in the book he'd rather just people eat meat than eat pretty much anything else. And I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, grass-finished, grass-fed is better. By far, it's better. But that difference is so minimal that I'd rather people eat beef than eat pretty much everything else, anything else in the in the big box store. I got to make a distinction, though, there, Sam, because there certainly are some now. When we talk about regenerative, grass-fed, you're talking about some very specific practices. And I'd like to make a distinction between grass-fed and regenerative grass-fed. Grass-fed still uses these practices of releasing animals on large swaths where they're free to go and roam and select what they eat. And so we have to use antibiotics. We have to do all these things. What we're trying to do, and Alan Saver, you mentioned, you know, he really uh, was a major developer of these things. But what we're trying to do is mimic natural worlds in which they existed where predators would have given them pressure. And so it would have looked more like mob grazing. Now, I'll tell you what happens when you mob graze. You actually force the animal. The animal, through competition, is forced to eat a greater diversity of all of the vegetation. And in fact, you're planting perennials and creating a very diverse mix of them. And they're only eating at the time when that plant, because you're controlling it, when that plant gets all of its nutrients up in the very ends is right when you're releasing them to go eat and they only take the top. So they're getting massive, very rich, dense, full of nutrient nutrition, which doing grass fed quote is not the same thing at all. And I would suspect that if you compared grass fed in that term to lot fed, it 
probably would be close. However, if you got regenerative beef and compared it, it would be radically different. It would. Uh, I've just, never heard that comparison. And this, it's hard to yeah. make these distinctions because there's so much. All Every word we try to use becomes a marketing word to get people to buy more. And if it's popular, we make it a marketing word, which makes it no longer relevant as a word of real distinction. We live in a very difficult time when it comes to nomenclature and assigning meaning to the signs that we're using for it, our words, you know. And so it, it, it's a difficult time to understand what we are. And you've mentioned Will Harris his place that's what my family eats so that that's what we eat is white oak farm uh, and, and it's and delicious until we're producing enough delicious. for me to eat our own we will be eating will harris's and, but we support others too you know there's the uh, the double p ranch in, in oklahoma as well and so eric and kim pinner and so you know we we want to support all of those because the same is true for theirs high nutrient density. They might not be as far down the road. They're certainly exercising all of those principles in a very real way. So, you know, just to make the distinction, because there definitely is one between those. Yeah. And in that's, taste, I'll, I'll add to that too. Grass-fed that's not regenerative, very tough and not near as flavorful. And, and even the regenerative meat will be a little tougher. They're not fatting it on corn, you know, but you, you come to eat it differently. When we're eating a steak, as I tell my wife, you know how to cut steak. How do you cut a brisket against the grain? Well, when you're eating regenerative meat, you cut thin strips against the grain. Why? Because it's not really chewy anymore <laughs> because you've already broken it down by the direction that you cut. And so we as humans have to become a little more crafty than what McDonald's might require of us in the consumption of our food, we'll actually have to understand it and the best way, best way to wield tools, even in consuming it. Yeah. One thing I was really impressed with White Oaks Farms is I went there, this is maybe somewhere between 12 and 13. And they just took us on a tour. Like they just took us where they slaughtered. They took us in where they were hanging the meat. And it's like, they didn't know us from Adam. They didn't know we were not, you know, like, covertly recording things to blast but they were just such genuine honest people and that just and and clean man they're where they slaughtered and they hung the meat it was so clean that we could just show up anytime and they they just hey look around this is what we do and i'm not saying they're gonna do that today don't expect that today today is a different world than than back then but it's just it they were good wholesome people they Feel are sorry, they're I didn't all mean to... no no you're good they were all inclusive people i mean i was even offered a job opportunity to be over there that's how inclusive they are. They, we, we, I, they gave me a tour on the second day. Gil called me. I want a job. I got a job for you. That's how they are. And that's what Jason and Josh trying to mimic is to be all inclusive, right? Because we're not hiring for skill. We are hiring, we are hiring for enthusiasm and burning the desire to restore our land, right? And how to connect with people. We can train skill later. Josh and I, Jason and I, hey, you know how to build a fence? Who cares about loving passion? I can teach you how to build a fence. And this is how I spell soil, by the way. You know, region. It's as easy. It's hard to get people that have the work ethic. They know how to operate in the team. That's hard. And that's, that's a, a tangible item that is not found in a report card or a resume. And if you focus on resumes or black and white sounds good on paper, he, and then day two when, you know, Stuff hits the fan. They they don't they don't know how to operate. They don't know how to rely on their teammates. They 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 lose enthusiasm. They get stressed out. Like you're not the guy because that means you never had conviction in restoring a land. 
Those are the people we're looking for. And Will Harris, to your point, that's why he loves he loves being all inclusive because he's he is always assessing people. He is always assessing people because he wants the right people on his team, and that's what we're about too. You know. Well, what are the questions you got, Sam? It looks like it, we gave a lot. Hopefully, not overwhelmed because you know our team thrives on the three Ds: dynamic, divergent, and diverse. And by the way, one of the soil health principles is diversity: diversity in livestock, diversity in cover crops. But we have diversity in our teammates, and we can we probably will scare most people because we operate in a tempo that is too fast. But we have a dynamic and diverse team, and it, it took a lot when I first met these two individuals. They're very dynamic, very diverse. I'll have I will have to walk away a little bit and do a clarity break, mental break, like all right, what did just happen here? And you realize they're just too passionate. They're too dynamic, and they want to restore at a rate that makes most people uncomfortable. So you better, you better get on the train or get off the train because we're going towards direction and we're going to do it. We're going to regenerate America in the minds of our youth and veterans. And it's great. And they're very, and you can get – I was never addicted to people, but I'm addicted to Josh and Jason, the team. It's, it's weird. It's a weird thing to say, but it's, it's true. And I'm not saying that because, you know, he's watching me and assessing me, but I'm, I'm speaking the truth here. And that's what we need, right? It's connecting with people, you know, having high emotional intelligence and bring people together to one cause, right? That's why I hate we have so many different churches. It's not us and them, it's one. And it's, right. that's what our team is about. We're one. Do, do both of y'all have a few minutes? Because I do have a question that I heard Gil mention before, but I want him to say it. Do you have a few minutes? I have all the okay. time, brother. We're on your show. Okay. Well, because I want to be respectful of your time. I know y'all are busy men. You had mentioned that, that there was a rancher somewhere that changed the rain patterns on his land. Can you talk oh, about man. that a bit? Oh, yeah. That's like, man, I don't wow. This is so exciting. I mean, Jason might want to do this too because anybody, anytime we get the opportunity to talk about this guy, we're all about it. I'll talk about a little about it. Um, so I'll have a real. How much land? He's in, he lives in Texas, but he's met his ranch is in the Chihuahua Desert, right? And he's a known leader. And in fact, he's about to be in the second Kiss of Ground documentary because he was, able, he was able to convert deserted land into grassland with less than 6% rain throughout the year. So he had to manage his land based on how much rainfall he's going to get in a collected time frame. So think, how, think about how hard that is. And think about how hard it is to lead a team through that. When most of us ranchers are like, no, we're going to do it this way. We're going to add more water, more hay. He's like, no, this is where we're going to do it. He was able to convert deserted land into grassland just by focusing on the soil. Right, and using his horses, donkeys, and goats to do that. It's crazy. Now, he has 30,000 acres. It does take massive land to change the microclimate. Does that make sense? Like, he has millions of acres around his ranch that when you see him teach, you can see rainfall coming on his land alone. It's because he is able to change and affect the micro. Now, obviously, that's easier said than done. It takes over a decade. It took a long time, but he was patient and he had conviction on his path. And now when he see, when people see that, they realize, oh man, that's why he's traveling all around the world. And in fact, he's coming to our ranch here in mid-May to want to educate us more again. But Jason, anything you want to add? Yeah, what, he, what he's really done is he has closed the loop on the water cycle. So plants transpire water which goes up and comes down again in rain and so what he's doing is he's created an environment with maximal transpiration compared to all the other areas 
And so he's starting to close the loop of the water cycle. And these are the cycles that savory that all of us are trying to close. So energy cycle with the sun. How do we utilize and close that cycle as much as possible without mining? And I'm not making any of those things in and of, there's nothing in and of themselves that are evil or whatever else. So don't ever misunderstand what I say as that or anything political, because none of it is. It's all about these particular things and the validatable facts that we're actually talking about. It should be political, but it should be political because it should matter so much, not because of particular things that it might do here, there, or the other place. It should be critical because it's central and it's vital. That's why. <laughs> and for no other reason. So, but yeah, the the uh, uh, Alejandro has done something very special, and he's one of our heroes, you know. For us, it's establishing of new heroes. He's one of our heroes. Will Harris is one of our heroes. We look at them as human beings and go, wow, what an amazing accomplishment that, that is for for sustainability for generations to come. What an extraordinary accomplishment. Um, it is. It's, 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 uh, it's huge. And Alejandro, when he speaks in any engagement, he said the first priority Obviously, there's a lot of focuses, but his first priority is to fix the water cycle. Back to Jason's point, that's all Alejandro preaches. Like, there's so many things we can do to fix our earth, but we got to focus on first is to restore the water cycle. Because that's, that's, right. that's what starts regenerative soils. And then it's the mineral cycle. And that's the places where we want all the waste. We want all the biology because it needs to not go into landfills and waste. It needs to go back into producing for us. And the community cycle, and that's those are those are things that we're approaching. And you know, for us, experiences and dynamic on our team. You know, my brother and I have decade or more experience in community dynamics, having been pastors and and functioned with communities and community institutions and outreaches and all kinds of stuff. And and so there's just place for so much dynamic to come because really it's a holistic move at the end of the day. We're, we need to change the ecology of humans and that will be done holistically as well. That's right. And as you can tell, Jason, just to be clear, we sound like professionals here, but we're, but we're, we're, we're not. We're amateurs, right? But we got we got enthusiasm, we got drive, and we got we do got a team that can pull this off. Right? That ain't day, all you need is conviction, conviction and belief. You only need to be a professional rancher to get this job done. I think our belief system will get us there. Our team will get us there. We're just going to surround ourselves with the right players needed to move the football forward. Just to make that clear, because we still got a lot to learn. And you know, Jason always says. Even though we might be experts in our particular industries, we will always be amateurs in agriculture because it's, it's, it's learning. We don't, we don't really understand what's underneath our soil. There's scientists that don't even understand how many microorganisms are there. We'll never understand, so therefore we'll, ne we'll always be amateurs. Just to make that clear, we're learning here. We're starting from a blank canvas. So when people listen to this podcast, we are hungry. We are young ranchers in agriculture, but we have the drive to move this forward. So come join us, team. Come help us, support us, reshare our story. That's what it takes if you want to be. If you want to be a part of a unified and concerted team, we're the team. And be a part of the vision. Listen, we yeah. are not an organization who has any concern whatsoever about our position in it or anything like that. At the end of the day, we want the smartest people, the most talented people, and we want to help them flourish well beyond any place we are. Uh, I won't be able to see and realize 
our mission in my lifetime. I'm quite content and grateful just to be a part of it. And I remind Gil and all of us all the time when we're standing out in the field, don't forget what the reward is. And that's just to get to do it. That is the reward. To get to do it is the reward. So Gil, Jason, where can we find you? Where Where's your website? Where's Where can we get information from you? What links? Okay. All right, check this out, Sam. Remember I said we we're building and planning flight. We barely got wings. We just got the engine. And Jason and I and Josh are building the plane. That's where we're at right now. Um, but it's, it's always good to build a team first, get the vision out there to get the team. But we're there. We have So right now, Operation Region, we're, we're starting to create a website for that, for Life on the Sun, Mission Region. It's, it's getting there, but we want to do it right. So right now, if you do want to find us, find me on LinkedIn, Operation Region. Find me on Facebook. I also started and, and, and brought to existence the program Battlefield to Fertile from Soil Health Academy. So our team is really connected. But bottom line front, find us on LinkedIn and Facebook and to be further established. We're not going to rush to create a website like most organizations do. We want to focus on building the team. We have the team, but we want more because it's all inclusive. And we're right now building strategic partnerships with several entities we want to do that first before we build the website because our focus is focused on the landing team right now. We already have partner farms coming in right now with us before we have a website because to us, the substance of the thing you say you are matters a lot more than words that you can put on a thing right quick to show a little presence. For us, we have to have a place to be able to receive people into these things in meaningful ways. So it's not just, oh, wow, that's really interesting. Oh, I have to swing back around to it here in a little while. You know, I mean, in, in the realm of opportunities, the aha moments are the opportunities. And you have to be ready to convert on those. You have to be ready to lay out a path of faithfulness for them if they should want to pursue that. And it has to be a meaningful one. So we're doing a lot of infrastructure. It's been years. We've been investing, building and gaining partnerships throughout this entire region of Love Valley and Love County in Oklahoma. And, and that's coming very close right now. And we brought in some key partners and, and are already looking at expansion before the website. But that's the way these things go. You know, you're, you, you sow before you reap. There's a lot of work that goes in before you get to reap the harvest of attention. And so, you know, the... the that will come in its time, and we're excited about it. And the time's coming sooner than later, so we're excited about that as well. Exactly. And in and, and, and doing this, we're looking for the right donors and investors that truly believe in this movement that we want to partner with, right? And if people are really interested, reach me on LinkedIn and Facebook. We'll invite you to the ranch, and we'll give you an intimate experience. Because the website's important, but it's not our priority right now. And back to Jason's point, it's, 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 it's bigger than the website. We don't need it. No, no, it's timing and sequence. You know, we've created some multi $10 million cash flows in the past two years as well, all of which money that funds and propels this. So we're very creative the way we think. And it's not, hey, give us your money because we want to do something. We're already doing it. And if we want your, if you want to put your money in what we're doing or your time in what we're doing, we want you to know what you can expect to get back, exactly what's going to happen with that and exactly what it is you're moving towards investing in with either your time, your talents or your capital. 
people. And so, you know, to, to release that early, to, to go to a market, so to say, prematurely, I think there's way too much of that already. And it almost puts it in a category with the rest of it, you know? So we're trying to be patient and it's the way of a farmer. We're having to learn. Many of these farmers and ranchers know lots of patience <laughs> and what that looks like. We're, we're having to be amateurs in it, right, Gil? That's right. I mean, yeah, that's right. That's right. So what is you guys, Sam? And, and, and thank you for hosting us, by the way, because this is how we share our journey. It's how people get to know about us, but we want, it's not about us, right? It's we want to share it because that, it's about the receiving end. It's about them. I mean, they're already part of this team, whether they know it or not, some way, shape, or form. And that's how inclusive we are. And we're going to have to be to get where we need to go. So thank you, Sam, for I want to thank you too. You know, allowing me. I want to thank you too, gentlemen. Jason. I want to thank both you gentlemen because this has been amazing. This has been great. I'm all fired up. I wish I could get into this. My, my field is medicine, but if I can help my patients and my listeners and my viewers, future patients, because right now I'm not practicing, but if I can help them learn how to make their life better and make better the lives around them by doing this, by, by doing various things, by speaking truth to power, then then that's what my goal is. Well, well, you just perked Jason's ears. I saw his ears. <laughs> yeah. I think he knows it already. We'll, we'll yeah. have to have more conversations, Sam. <laughs> yes. yes right. we'll, like, we'll invite you to the ranch. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Again, thank you, man. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jason. Great pleasure, Sam. Thanks so much. Just a reminder for everyone out there, the duty uniform of the day, the full armor of God. Let's all make courage more contagious than fear. I have a new affiliate, Harvest Right Freeze Dryers. Take a look at the link below and see if it's right for you. It's a great way to store food for you and your family up to 25 years if stored properly.